I'm Kyle, and this is Monetize Media. On today's episode, I interview my partner and co-host of this show, Jason Zernicki. Jason has started from building a small local SEO shop to becoming the largest daily fantasy sports affiliate in America to then building a sports media business with me, which we eventually sold for $25 million. Jason is one of the most efficient digital marketers and monetizers, maybe in history, in terms of size of audience and the amount of money he has been able to extract from it. He has unbelievable skills at SEO, conversion, negotiating, and seeing where businesses are going. In this conversation, he talks about his process from leaving his full-time job with a baby on the way in 2008 to starting a local digital marketing agency to becoming an SEO powerhouse in one of the most competitive fields to the moment he almost failed, us building a business together, and then the human aspect of entering into a partnership on basically a handshake and then having to sell a business when you're someone who's been self-employed for a long, long time. This was a really fun interview. We wanted to take time to interview each of ourselves on this show to really get behind the processes of how we got to where we are. And Jason is just unbelievable story of someone who has continued to grow his business from super lean beginnings from like a single laptop to becoming one of the best affiliates basically in the United States of America. So on to the interview with Jason. All right, so want to welcome on this week's guest. Uh, it is you, Jason. Welcome. It's me. Welcome to your show. It's good to be back to my show, our show. <laughs> So is this weird now? Now you're on center stage. Does this feel different to you? It does. It does feel a little different right now. I'm normally excited. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're going to get into it and we're going to speak for people listening. We're going to speak like we speak to each other. So follow along as if uh, Jason and I probably speak three to four hours a day <laughs> over the last per day over the last two years. So we'll try and keep the inside jokes to a minimum. But I know a good chunk of this story. But I think my goal here is to find three to five things I didn't know about what you've done over the last 10 years over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour. Before we do that, though, should we tell people about our new referral? Tell two friends. Tell two friends. Program. You tell two friends, then he tells two friends, or she tells two friends. We even have a clip tell for it. Well, you know how these things start. One guy tells another guy something, and then he tells two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. You know how these things go. Yeah. So that was the Wayne's World Tell Two Friends. We are not good by our nature growth marketers. But what we do understand is compound growth rates. So we decided that if you like what you're here on this podcast right now, or you think you're going to like what Jason's about to talk about, then tell two friends who you think will be interested in this podcast. They can be creators, podcasters, YouTubers, influencers, or they could be someone who works in the space for a software program that helps creators. Maybe your friend works at Zapier. Maybe you have another friend at Shopify. You tell two friends who will find the content and con uh, of this podcast and this show interesting. And if you tag us on social media with the two friends you told, better to tag them as well, but tag us either at Monetize Media HQ, all one word, tag me at Kyle Scott L, all one word, and you are, Jason? Uh, Jay Zernick, Jay Zernick, the letter J, and then Zernick, at, so for Twitter. Z-I-E-R-N-I-C-K. -E so you tag any one of those accounts with the two people that you told about this podcast and 
not only will we respond to you and say thanks, but if you send us your business, your idea, anything you have that you want us to take a look at, we promise that we will respond and engage and give you feedback and interact on whatever question you have about your business. You want our ideas, you want our input, you just want us to like your tweet, I don't care, we'll respond. So tell two friends. All right, let's get into the interview. Jason, give us the origin story of Jason Zernicki. Oh, well, <laughs> we won't go back as far back as 1978, but you know, getting into this part of the digital marketing business, I think it goes so it goes back to uh, July 8th of uh, 2008. So at that point, I had been in pharmaceutical sales for the better part of eight years. I did well. I can sell. I think Kyle, you know, you know that pretty well. But it had gotten to the point where I hated every second of it. Like getting up out of bed and going to talk to doctors, which at one point felt great, was I was dreading every second of it. And one of the things that kind of helped push me along was two big things. I read Isaacson's book on Steve Jobs. And, you know, when Jobs makes the comment to him, like, you know, if you wake up and look in the mirror and you hate what you're doing, like, you got to do something different. Life's too short. You don't want to sell sugar water the rest of your life? Sell sugar water, right. And then my wife was five months pregnant at the time. So I figured if there was ever a time for me to pull the trigger on something, it's got to be now. Because once the baby's here and all, like, there's just, I mean, what, what are you going to do? So on July 8th, I quit my job, didn't tell my wife, didn't tell my wife. See, I didn't know that part. And I'm sitting in, in a chair at our house and she came home from work. And um, I was like, listen, I quit my job today. And like, you just, <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, she's five months pregnant. She's a very hard worker. If she wasn't aware of the Jason's or Nikki experience yet at no. that point, she, no. she became no, the, indoctrinated to it at that point. Yeah, the true craziness had still been hidden a bit. And I said, listen, just, you're, just, you're gonna have to trust me that I've got a half-baked plan in my head and I think I can do this. It's not gonna happen overnight, but my line to her was, I'm convinced that I can make $20,000 a month on my own and I just need you to believe that. And this is why my wife's great. Her response was, I absolutely support you. Go ahead and do it. So that was insane, right? So you got to pick the right partner in life. She also has a decent job, more than more than decent job. So it allowed me to have a little bit of a cushion to go out and get and get this thing started. What that thing was going to be at the time, I wasn't exactly sure. So fast forward just a little bit. My son's born in January. So just to kind of paint the full picture, I'm literally, you know, filling out unemployment weekly or bi-weekly unemployment things. You know, I'm 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 on unemployment going through this process. And it took a couple of years to really kind of get things moving. So I was doing some local web design. I understood SEO and I was figured, hey, I'll work with people locally in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And you know, I'll, I'll be like the local SEO guy. It ended up being a little harder than I anticipated, but I understood the basics of it. And you know, I'll share this. So I was a bookie in college, so I loved betting. you know, And I saw the poker craze come and go. I was like, man, I miss that. I, I'm, I want to see the next thing. You know, it's always been rumors about what it could be. And then DFS comes along. And I don't really understand what it is at first. I was never a huge fantasy guy. Right, let me but, ask you a question before you get yep. to the DFS. So yep. I know you. So your wife having a good income and you having no income and taking unemployment. You know, if anyone who knows you, you're, you don't love the gov government subsidy route. So... What was that like mentally? Because I know you're impatient on stuff like that. That your wife was had a good job and good career, and you're on unemployment willingly. But was that hard? It's did you see it through? Yeah, it was awful. I hated every aspect of that. 
Yeah, my wife to this day, this is, I think it's probably why we get along so well, she'll joke with me now if her salary is larger than mine. You know, so we were very competitive because we, we met when we were young and we were at a big pharmaceutical company. And, you know, so it, it's, it was eating away at me. But I knew, I knew I could figure something out if I just had the ability to focus on it 100%. But yeah, that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun doing the unemployment. But appreciated the fact that it was there. Certainly wasn't going to abuse it, but used it when I had to. All right, so then you get into DFS, and which for those who don't know is daily fantasy sports, sort of the precursor to legalized betting, which yeah. became very big, like late 2010 timeframe yeah, is when it nah. started to become a thing. Yeah, you've got a good memory. So 2010, 2011-ish, you know, there's this fan duel thing that's just kind of, you know, I remember Twitter around 2010 is still relatively new. So we start to kind of see this thing going on. It's got some little bit of juice to it, but like, you know, people are still questioning it. But I figured, hey, maybe this is the thing to get into. It kind of piques all the interest uh, things that I have, and let you know, let's see what's here. So I believe it was like the third entrant into the daily fantasy sports uh, market was this site called Daily Joust, and it was a god awful marketing branding for this thing. But the two guys out in Silicon Valley, one of them worked for EA Sports for years, and they raised about two million bucks, and they were looking for somebody to do their marketing and. So I put together just like a, a PowerPoint with a voiceover. I had never done it before, just saying like, hey, I, I think I could help you. And sent it into the guy who was running it. And um, you know, lo and behold, he's like, listen, you know, we'll bring you in. Not going to pay you a ton. You know, let's just see what we can do. So just to kind of give you the idea of the branding. So Daily Joust, right? It's literally like a knight with remember. a jousting stick. And like, it, it's, it looks like, you know, that, I forget the name of that place that like, you know, you go and... Medi- medieval times, I think medieval it's called. Times. Yeah. 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 So the, from the second I'm there, I start pushing like, yeah, we, we have to get more sports themed here. Like this isn't going to work. Ended up being a whole thing, a theme of that the whole time I'm there. But to get to the juice of the story, when I'm there, I start to, to realize how the, the funnel for daily fantasy sports is working. And my eyes light up one day when I'm looking at one of the reports and there's a promo code section, promo code column. I'm like, oh shit. This is something like, I, I wasn't aware of it before. I mean, I've seen promo codes, like I, but I never understood the bottom of the funnel. I never cared to. It, was, it just wasn't part of my interest. And then you know, the light bulb went off. Like, oh my god, like this can be done for Fanduel. This can be done for DraftKings. They, is when they launched in 2012. So you could see the number of people coming in using a promo code. Presumably, yep. then it was like you got some sort of free game where you could win a prize if you won yep. the league. Could you see? Uh, a layer deeper, and how many of those people were coming from search? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I could see everything at, at that time. Absolutely. So we we saw how they were coming in. You know, I was doing actively doing their SEO. So you know, I'm trying to measure and see how this is going. But there was an aspect to their SEO that had nothing to do with promo code. Like they just wanted to rank number one for like daily fantasy sports contests or daily fantasy or DFS contests or whatever. So seeing this layer of it that they weren't even utilizing, but it was just some. Thing that was there because we really we weren't branching out and doing a bunch of other advertising in order to measure that with a code at the time. It really piqued my interest, so I figured, well, DraftKings and FanDuel's numbers for this must be off the chart. So ultimately, you know, they couldn't compete with the big boys. So as soon as I'm done there, I go and start a site called PromoCodeKings.com. So it's a play off of op- now, SEO has come a long way from 2013 timelines, right? So the ability to think of having kings for DraftKings and promo code in the URL at the time was a pretty basic SEO thought that we knew would work. 
you know, things today have changed dramatically. But you know, it it worked pretty fast. <laughs> it, it, now, one must remember in 2014, 2015, 20, you know, I guess right at the end of 2016, these guys are spending a half a billion dollars on ads. So it it helped to have that thing meet just at the same time. But it was a multi-million dollar revenue generator off of like a four-page website that just you'll, hit at the right on time. On your Chromebook, I imagine. Yeah, I don't think I had a, I had a, I had a Do you have a computer or were you just doing this on like a Blackberry? Yeah. I had yeah, right. I I was working on a Mac at the time. Okay. But the private joke there that you guys We'll get is that when Kyle and I started working together, I walked in with like this little itty bitty Chromebook and I put my feet up on like a desk and just work off of it. And he was, he just didn't understand like how someone could work like that. And I will say years later, I don't understand how I did either. Now I'm always on a, you know, a big monitor too, but my neck used to hurt just looking at you. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's unpack that model then. So this is the, this is the affiliate model. So just, uh, you know, I know enough about it here. So you knew that people, DraftKings is running ads. You couldn't watch a sporting event. Well, you still can't now, but for different reasons. But back then, you couldn't watch a sporting event without seeing it. Usually a DraftKings or a FanDuel ad, you could win a million dollars on a daily fantasy contest, especially during football. And at the end of every ad, they would show a promo code. And it was always different, and nobody actually remembers the promo code they see on TV. But when they think to sign up, they go to Google and they type in DraftKings promo code or FanDuel promo code. And you were aggregating those and you became an affiliate of DraftKings and FanDuel. So every time someone came to your site and signed up for one of those two sites, you're getting a kickback. Now, were you, there's two major models for affiliate. There's RevShare, which means you share in the profits or revenue to the partner site. And then there's CPA and there's, there's a lot beneath each of those umbrellas, CPAs, you get paid a one-time fixed fee. RevShare, you can potentially get an ongoing fee for a subscription product or something like DraftKings where people keep putting money into the, into the machine. So which were you on at that point? So at that time, we're on RevShare. I was on RevShare. And you know, so it's based off of the old poker model of a rake. You know, essentially the contests are come in and then DraftKings or FanDuel you know, would keep 10% of the overall entry fees for a contest. And then the revenue model for the affiliate was you would receive then 35%, 30 to 35% of of the rake of the players that entered in. So the reason it worked so well early was the whales were coming in. You know, you you would have players who would enter, you know, an over $1 million worth of contests in one month. You know, since I was early, I was getting so many of the whales on my accounts because I was ranking number one for DraftKings promo code or FanDuel promo code. So the money got got pretty ridiculous pretty quickly. Uh, you know, to the point where I would get checks and just kind of leave them on my desk just for like one trip to the bank, and my wife would start coming in and like she's like, "This isn't." She's like, "This is real." You know, this like it would be like a yeah, you know, be an astronomical check. It's like yeah, like that's that's what we're doing right now. You know, so it was pretty obscene. You know, I mean, it was. They knew what they were doing. Bigger than the uh, unemployment check. Just a tad. Just a tad. What, what was the, do you remember the biggest single check you got? Yeah, it was $337,000. For a month, probably. For one month. Wow. Yep. Yeah, wow. It, was, it was outrageous. But, you know, there was something in the offing that, you know, we wasn't so great down the line. So it's, there's, there's, right, so a, there's something there to talk about, too. All right, so this is all booming at the time. Yep. They're running tons of ads. 
It's unregulated, very gray space. For those who don't know, Daily Fantasy continues. You know, it's not gambling. It is a game of skill. The industry certainly leaned on that heavily. And you, um, for anyone who's played Daily Fantasy, it is a game of skill. If you have the right information, there's a lot of uh, game theory involved with the types of contests, the types of lineups you want to have. If you're armed with information, you can actually do really well because you're playing against other people. You're not playing against a house. Betting is meant to be a coin flip. Daily Fantasy, like fantasy sports in general, requires a lot of luck, but also some skill. So this is booming, but it's unregulated. They're running ads, a lot of ads, getting the attention of everybody. At what, do you remember what like the high watermark is or when it was? And then not only when, but like what volume of traffic, you know, we talked about the money, $300,000 in a month, but the volume of traffic or searches for, you know, just DraftKings promo code, like what was the high watermark for that during the DFS wave? I believe it was the fall of 2015 is when everything really peaked. The traffic numbers for, say, a DraftKings is definitely an estimate. Yeah, you would think I would have it, but I would say like on a weekend, anywhere from like a five to 10,000 unique visit range on a weekend, like per day. Wow. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't astronomical, but just owning, you know, that, and that was just one player, you know, at the time. So you had FanDuel too, and then there's a couple of smaller ones that tried to compete. But yeah, I mean, you didn't need millions of, of visits. Right, because of the intent, right? right? So it's not like people were searching for the Cowboys schedule. Someone right. searching for DraftKings promo code has a very high likelihood of clicking a link, using your code, giving you the the kickback for the referral on that. Yeah, and the thing that we saw, I don't know, I would say way such a bad habit, the thing that I saw was there was this odd action by a lot of my competitors that they would, you know, like they didn't have buttons and calls to actions like above the fold. I'm like, what are these people doing? Like, <laughs> no one has an attention span, you know, beyond one flip on the phone. And so I also think that had something to do with it as well. I kind of understood like the game theory of the user. And so many of my competitors were, were burying things. It's like, it's like, they were almost like scared to go after it. You know, a lot of them were, you know, fantasy like information site. And I think they were, I don't, I don't know what it was. But for me, there was, there was a target. There was a shit ton of money and nothing was going to stop me from going after it. And I just, you know, so I was, I think I was just probably just more aggressive than most in, in understanding what the market was. And I, granted, I had a great inside view of that when I was at Daily Joust. It probably sent a good signal to Google as well, because people are coming to your site, they're looking for something and competitors, they got to scroll and they're maybe not finding it. They're hitting promo code kings, they see the button, they get what they want. There's got to be a positive feedback loop with Google, even though, you know, we don't know the exact uh, ramifications of that within their algorithm. Yep. No, no doubt. No doubt at all. Okay. So this happens, it begins to get the attention of, you know, literally anyone watching sports, which happens, also happens to be politicians in both state and federal government and lawyers and casino, who's like, hey, we're heavily regulated. What happens next? Both at an industry level and then how does that impact you? Yeah, so you know, we begin to get whispers and starting to hear things and you know, some politicians are speaking out. And even someone in New York, like Mike, like Mike Francesa, he now, you now begins to complain about the commercials in New York. You know, this is insane. Oh, and by the way, you know, this is, this is crazy to not call this gambling. This is absolutely gambling, right? So, you know, that's that whole train has now left the station. So we begin to see that, you know, pick up some steam. And then I believe 
So New York shuts it down, Texas shuts it down, and I believe Florida shuts it down, where it's like, hey, this is gambling, or at least we have to review it, right? We all know what's happening here. The political lobbyists see an amazing opportunity to say, whoa, 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 we're not getting our cut. You know, so back it off. You guys grew so quickly. Everything went so well for you, but you skipped a stop on the train. You forgot to give us our little piece of the action on your, on your way to, you know, Magic Mountain. So at that time, it was scary. And I was younger, too. I didn't understand the process as well as I do now, especially after going through the whole legal sports betting uh, process. So you, know, you start to make a lot of money, and your life changes, you know? Like, there's just, there's just no way to say it. I'm sure any of our listeners out there who have had that benefit, you know, you, you do. I mean, you buy a bigger house, you you know, buy a nicer car, you potentially buy real estate, you know, you, you do things that are different. But I kind of come from like, not the greatest, you know, my dad was a cop. And, you know, so I thankfully, I didn't spend wildly. So I started, my wife and I started to like talk like, ah, oh, man, this, this thing's, this thing's probably going to settle down. Like we need to kind of need to reel it back here and understand where the business is going to go. And, you know, very quickly, that's what happens. You know, as soon as the DraftKings and the FanDuel's of the world are spending millions of dollars on litigation to try and, you know, keep their businesses functioning in the largest states, obviously the ability to pay their affiliates becomes something that's not a big priority for them. So it, it really slows down going into uh, like 2016, 2017 to the point where I'm now looking at other options of like, all right, what can I do to still participate in this, but maybe in a different way. And this is where, you know, I make a very big mistake. Well, there was, before you get there, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. talk about this. What does the slowdown mean, right? I have a sense of what it means, but explain to people what that looked like from, from your standpoint. Because again, you were on RevShare. It's CPA, yeah. you get a big payment, and then whatever that customer does, doesn't matter. CPA payments are larger because they're one-time payments. Thank you for the customer. Here's your X. And those yep. payments could be really good in DFS days, like upwards of $60, $80, for a new player. Yep. You went for rev share, less money up front, but in theory, more money over time. Yep. What happens? Yeah, so now, now players in certain states can't play. So you're, you're immediately hit with a, a massive decrease in revenue. The commercials have dramatically slowed down, you know. So it's everything almost comes to a grinding halt in terms of marketing, right? But the, you know, the games themselves are still continuing. So, like I said, it was a wake up call that this this was not going to continue you know, as it was because if it did, it would have been amazing. But you know, so that was where it impacted the business in that sense that you know the, the days of those three hundred thousand dollar checks coming in from one operator in one month were, were behind us. But I will say the, oper the, the operators being DraftKings, FanDuel, and other DFS sites were very, they communicated very well with their affiliates. Like they understood that they were an important part of their user funnel. It was, it was a highly predictive part of their funnel. They understood how it worked, how it would come in, how the, how the user would come in, you know, bottom of the funnel, however you want to describe it. So they didn't want to lose us. So in that sense, it was very surprising to see how well that was handled by them. In the, in, within the communication. But at that point, you then begin to hear the next rumor that, hey, just hold tight. We might be a year away from sports betting. You know, and so the whole picture that everybody had always, it was almost like a conspiracy theory that DraftKings and FanDuel were doing this to get into sports betting. At first, people were like, oh, get out of here. It's never going to happen, right? 
And then lo and behold, you know, end of 2016, moving into 2017, the rumors really start to pick up that there's a chance that uh, that this thing is going to get off the ground potentially in New Jersey with the, uh, the removal of PASPA. So PASPA so, is an old, old Supreme yeah. Court ruling. States other than Nevada weren't allowed to legalize betting. I believe Chris Christie was responsible for driving that ball forward. It eventually becomes a Supreme Court case in 2018, and they eventually yep. overturn it, which paves the way uh, for states to make up their own laws if they want to legalize gambling, online gambling, or not. Uh, so New Jersey kind of leads the way here, as they do in, in most things. Yeah, they absolutely do. And just to back it up slightly, going back to like the mistake that was made. Yeah. So there's like, there's the rumor that it's coming, but you know, there's not a lot of confidence that in 2018 we're actually going to get this thing. But so one of the one of the core competitors in the daily fantasy space, yeah, I, I don't know if I could call them a, comp- a competitor on the promo code side of it, was this site called Roto Grinders, and these guys did a great job. They really understood the market. They they dove in, built a great community, but also had like the promo code side of the business as, as well. So you weren't really sure like. Well, they're getting all the, you know, if you're, if you're an operator, they're getting revenue from this amazing user base, uh, you know, where's, or is the user search component of the promo code really driving it? In the end, I think they would even admit probably 85% of it was coming from search for promo code. But with the market slowing down a bit and having some extra revenue, I thought, well, man, I'll go compete with them now, you know? So giant mistake. Because all I had known was bottom of the funnel. This works. I can go after this. I had a better understanding of on-page utilization and being able to calls to action. And when you get that visitor there to get them to take the action you want them to take, at the time that wasn't as common thought as it is today. It's been, it's really with the influencer and creator economy, everything's been going on. That's now like second nature to most people. It wasn't back then. So I decide that I'm going to build an app that you know is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it's going to combine fantasy, and sports betting. So no matter what happens, I'm prepared. And, you know, so the first mistake in the process, I had two people to choose from. I had one that had a group that had already built something similar out in California, and then I had somebody local. And I was like, well, and the local person had no experience in this, so they claimed they did. I'm going to go local because I can walk into their office. You know, if there's an issue, I can be there, and I feel like I had more control over it. And it was a massive, massive mistake. Massive mistake. To the point, and this is, I will always say this, always trust your gut. About 10 days into the process with these folks, my gut's screaming, get out, get out. This isn't, you made the wrong decision, get out. And I let, I let their, I guess their boss CEO, I let him talk me into staying on. So this ends up being roughly a $250,000 mistake where... They, this, the app is nothing what it's supposed to be. Things are just drawn out. and it, It's just, unfortunately, lie after lie that ends up being a litigious event for me, of which, I, you know, that number of 250 is what I lost. I got back a little bit. But the idea for our listeners to think that you can magically take a, like a passion or a minimal view or experience of something and think that, oh, uh, I got it, and I've got extra cash, so I can make this happen. I, I did not do enough due diligence. There was not enough of a plan there. I depended way too much on the, the developer company to do this, and I got caught. 
Now, I will, greatest mistake I've ever made. It cost me a ton of money, but I will never walk into another situation like that again the rest of my life without, and, and you and I see this so much in some of our plannings over the years, where even today I'll push to do something and, 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 and you'll be like, whoa, 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 like, let's get the plan a little more thought out. Let's, let's, let's dive down a little bit more. I get very excited and it, it costs me, you know, a shit ton of money. Well, that's the, I mean, so that's the balance, um, you know, both you and I are do it people have an idea, do it. Um, and I think most entrepreneurs, people listening to this show want to create their own communities. If you cut a hundred times, or if you measure a hundred times and cut once, you know, you're probably not going to win. You know, you have to be willing to take risks, but they got to be calculated risks. So to your point, you know, building an app is an entirely different personality type, part of the brain. It's a different skill set than being someone who creates, you know, relatively straightforward websites. You sit at the bottom of the funnel, you know how users interact with it. You see a money-making opportunity, you go after it. App requires a really long view, project planning. So... From your view, what's it like finding the balance between those th two things? Just doing something and then planning for it. Because somewhere in the middle, you have to take a risk, right? You have to just do things sometimes and take a risk. They might fail, but it's got to be a calculated risk. Where do you see yourself on that continuum now? What, what I have figured out is my immaturity of wanting control for things is what, is what was costing me. So on that continuum, I thought I could do it all. But what I've realized is that no, like I probably should have brought in a partner. I should have at least hired a consultant. I should have done something where it wasn't all on me to try and figure this out. It was, it was so top-lined and half-baked that, that I thought, hey, I'm paying this group a, lo a lot of money. They should be able you know, to do this and then I'll kind of be the thumbs up, thumbs down guy after I've given them the top-line process. So. Like I said, that's the that's the learning from this thing, and I was and I said I was young, and, and it's a control thing. As you get older, you understand that you can't do all of that, and you need other people's input, and not to view that as a loss of control on something, um, as an additive event for whatever goal you're going for. Uh, so you know that was you know something that drastically changed the way I would operate moving forward. So so that doesn't work. But, you know, but sports betting is still coming. It's not really even here yet at this point. This is right around 2018-ish, like yep. right around yep. when it's getting legalized. So the upside is still way in front of you. The app is, is not going to be a thing, at least in you know, that iteration of it. So what's next? Uh, yeah. you know, what's so next? Eventually, we, we start working together, but where does your head go? Like, all right, how do yeah. I, so what I'm, are you thinking next? Yeah, I'm behind the eight ball now. Now I'm panicking. Now I'm panicking, without a doubt, because... I spent way too much time and money on the app. It fails. And now I know sports betting is coming. And I am 100% unprepared. Where I would normally have begun to you know, lay the seed, you know, get things going, know where I have to be. And I am absolutely panicking. But that's you know, a, to the that's point a compliment to you. Because for all of your, you know, as you were saying, like your instinct to just do stuff, right? And not really think about the plan. You're way ahead of things. You're always like three to six months ahead of me in at least in seeing an opportunity coming, where the business needs to be, a potential peril in the business. So for you, even though you're, you're, you sometimes 
you know, to your point, do things without thinking about like, all right, how do I implement it? You're usually spot on about, hey, this is coming. Something needs to be done here. So that, that had to eat at you that you were, oh, yeah. you were not ahead anymore. Yeah. It, was, it really bothered me. And the revenue now is really drying up from the business too. So it's, it's a double whammy. Like to the point, it gets so bad that I'm now thinking about going back to pharmaceutical sales. It's this job that I absolutely hate. And you know, sometimes you have to do things, I think, to remind you or, I don't know, I, I, maybe remember like the chip on your shoulder that's there. And I, mean, I've always, I use that, unfortunately, to get myself through things. But I go and I meet with, I go and I meet with this guy at one of the big pharma companies that I worked for. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's, I think I'm going to come back. You know, things aren't really working out the way I thought. And he's like, I thought you were doing great. Like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I run into some people, like I, I met him for lunch at like the cafeteria for this, for this big company. And I was like, oh my God, no, like this, this could never work again. Like I, what was I thinking? This just, so it was a good kick in the butt. So uh, then I'm at the point where I don't know how, when I lose confidence, I lose creativity. So I'm at the point there where I'm like, I'm, like I guess I use the word panicking. Like I'm, I'm scrambling and be like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And all I know is that I'm going to have to at least start somewhere, you know, to be prepared for the launch of sports betting. At the time, you have to remember, you know, there's no one knows how you get the license to become affiliates at the time. Like, no, there was no information, none. You know, so May of 2018, the Supreme Court strikes down PASPA. I think it was, yeah. And then we know that relatively soon, I believe for that following September, Sports betting online will be legal in New Jersey. And at that point, you know, I, I have nothing. Like, you know, I have no approach. So I can tell you we're, we're on vacation in Maine in August. And I'm talking to people at DraftKings being like, you know, guys, like this, I know this is coming. Like, you have to get me, you have to help me get approved. You know, like I've been a top affiliate. Like, like it, the, everything has changed. Like, Instead of me being like, ah, you're gonna work, you know, I'm now virtually begging. Like, it's like almost like a degenerate. Yeah, but so, um, so, for people who don't know, the reason you're, you're keying on this is because whatever those rates those companies were willing to pay affiliates for daily fantasy, it was set to like three and four X right. for betting. Betting customers are worth so much money, and it's a regulated market just turning on a switch state by state. So, it's whatever, in your mind, I'm imagining whatever that. DFS money was, yeah. these could be million dollar monthly checks if you do it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so I know it's coming soon and I'm trying to figure this out. So we're up in, we're up in Bar Harbor, Maine. And finally, DraftKings is like, listen, we, we've got the process down for you to get approved. Like, here it is. And I think, I think they sent me like a 57 page email document. <laughs> and, you know, you're on vacation and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? That, you know, at the time, now I would download it, put it in the notes, throw a signature on it, you know, boom, it's back. I, that wasn't, that process wasn't there for me back then. So I'm literally going up to like the hotel person. I'm like, listen, can you print out a 57 page document for me? <laughs> and um, I said, then I'm going to come back and I need to know if you can scan it in for me and then email it to me. This girl looked so at me like... This was 2018. This wasn't like 1998. You 
They, the cameras had phones, or the phones had cameras. No, I know, but I wasn't going to take 57. Yeah, you know, they wanted the whole, doc, yeah, you know, they just, they just didn't want the signature sheet because I think every page had to have an initial on it. Okay. So it, ha- it couldn't just be sent back the signature sheet. <laughs> so, you know, once again, credit to my wife, because, you know, I can get a little, like, nuts when I get overwhelmed. We get it done. I slip, I slip the person at the front desk, like, $100. I'm like, please just, you know, help me get this done. And thankfully, it gets done. I get it across to DraftKings, and then you know, we get home from vacation, and I'm ready to start preparing for things. So it was then that I, I the first site I started with was betnewjersey.com, obviously, you know, focusing on the New Jersey market. But what I will say is there was a lot of deliberation between going local and going for a brand. You know, and to this day, as I've told you, I've never been really good at a brand build out. It's just for some reason, and you know, you obviously have. And I'm real, I got lucky. Like I had the right audience and the, the brand sort of followed, but go ahead. Right. True. But you, you your brain works better in that in that sense than Mayan does. And um, I was really going back and forth on how to approach this because promo code kings work really well for for fantasy. But I didn't know, and it's kind of weird, like why would you not think it would just work the same for sports betting? But what I was seeing already was the search was different. And Google was recognizing the search of fantasy and betting to be different. Now, there was a competitor of mine that was, seemed to be doing okay with both. So I had a thought of just how I was going to attack it. I was like, all right, I'll use promo code Kings. It'll be okay. But let me go after this New Jersey market because I had a sense that the local market search was going to be very important. Now, Katina, uh, one of the largest affiliate marketing companies, I think was also showing everybody like, hey, I think they had built out a couple of New Jersey-based brands. The hint was there. You know, so uh, go and do Bet New Jersey. It does okay. It's competitive, but like, it's, not, it's not great. It's not great. Promo Code Kings is doing okay. And you know, so things, you know, the panic has settled. The panicking has settled. But to your point a few minutes ago, like, whoa, this isn't the big checks. I guess isn't going away, you know. So, is it me? Is it the industry? Whatever. So, there's a person at one of the larger sports books who says, you know, if you really want to compete with these guys, because I was bitching to him about something. She says, if you really want to compete with these guys, you're going to have to partner up. He's like, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. So, you know, here we go. Here, here's my, here's, did you learn your lesson, Jason, or not? Right? Because here it is. So th- this is where, thank God, I screwed up with the app because I go, you know what? You're right. I need, I need to partner up. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And he says, you know, there's this guy who works by you, lives by you, only 10 minutes. And he goes, I think you guys would really get along well. He goes, I'm not sure. He goes, but I, I really think it could work out. Why don't you just go meet with him? And I will tell you, and I, I've told you this before, this, this thought to me, at first, I was, I just, it was, it was a difficult thing for me. Like I just, I don't know exactly why. I guess I think I've hinted at it in the past, but, but something about it was like, I'm gonna do this, you know. And it's and, and lo and behold, you know, it's you, and you know, I start looking, I look, I start looking up some information on you, and I stumble across this one picture of you, like by like a rocks, like standing by rocks or something, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't know, standing you by rocks. Like, he looks like a bit of it, like a bit of a douchebag. I don't know if I can work with this guy. 
joking, of course. And so I, I see. Gotta, wait, I got to find the picture now. But go ahead. <laughs> I forget which picture. You, you have the you have the tight button down shirt on. Oh, okay. It was outside the link. It was outside Lincoln Financial. Was, like, oh, I think there was rocks there or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was. It was there was a curb and, and rocks under I ninety five. Yeah. So, jokingly, I'm like, all right. And then I see like who you are and what you're. And I'm like, I'm like, oh wow, like this is like, this is impressive. Like holy shit. So I asked. I did ask a couple people around Philly sports. I said, hey, do you know Kyle Scott? And the one person was like, oh yeah, Crossing Broad, like that's awesome. And another person was like, you know, I was on a call with him once. I don't know if he knew I was on the call. He says, you know, he came across a little cocky. He says, but I think he, I think it might be a shtick. And in my mind, <laughs> in my mind, I was kind of thinking of you like a Howard Stern kind of guy. Like he's probably really nice, extremely intelligent. But he probably has a little bit of like a shtick that he does because you have to in Philadelphia. You gotta prove to people you've thick skin and that you can kind of like take it and give it. So I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia, all cops and firemen. So I was like, all right, like that actually intrigued me. I was like, this is good. I, I'm, I was actually really happy to hear that, you know. And then we go and meet, and you know, the rest is history after that. We can go down a little bit, but I'll shut up there for a minute because I, I, I dropped a couple bombs on you there. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to know who the person was, but they, I mean, they were right in so far as I don't know if on calls or video, I have this shtick, but I had this thing where I would, when I would write on the website, I had, I had my voice, like I had a tone and it was a shtick, but it wasn't really intentional. It was just sort of the natural way I wanted to write to entertain people. And it came like, I am a totally different person the way I would write that website than in person. And it was always difficult when I used to do a podcast about, Philly sports for the website, I would try and take the writing shtick and speak like that. It didn't work. Like when I'm speaking now, it's just me, right? But I was trying to take the way I write and put it in speaking. I don't know. So maybe that was a call where I was trying, trying it out. Okay. So we go, we go to, to, to dinner it, or get drinks or something. I have like 17 bourbons. So <laughs> any, anything I was keeping close to the vest, I think you recommended at one point, like, Hey, maybe you should order some food. Yeah. Lest you, lest you hurl. All right. So we get a, we meet up, uh, you know, this isn't about us necessarily, but you know, what are your thoughts? And what is like, okay, I'm going to work with this. Cause from my view and it was right. It was like, Hey, I built this big audience in Philly, but the this, this same person at, at one of these big sports betting partners had the same conversation with me. In fact, I went to a conference in New York. I had acquisition offers for the site and this was early. Like, as you said, it was just one state. And I figured, it was decent money, but I was like, wow, I could sell it. But like, there's just one state. Let, a, let me make a little bit more money and my multiple will go up. <laughs> so I didn't really want to sell. But from my own view, it was like, this is a lot of money to turn down in, in any, you know, you have a wife and kids and all that. So I, I had these meetings in New York where I was meeting with two different companies that were interested in buying the website. And in between that, this person from this betting company says, let's grab 15 minutes at Starbucks. And I actually felt like I was cocky to him because I was in like, I showed up in a suit. I never wear a suit. It's probably one of three times I've worn a suit in the last four years. And I'm in between these two meetings that could potentially change my life. And I knew this guy was important, but I didn't really know him. But he's like, I really want to meet with you. I was like, okay, fine. So I run into a Starbucks. I felt like a dick because I blew him off in like 15 minutes because I, I had to go to this next meeting. And we talked for 10 minutes. And then that's where at the end, he's like, listen, there's this guy. He lives near you. 
he was our largest affiliate for daily fantasy. I think you guys might be able to pair your skills really well because I was just coming into the affiliate market. So I was like, yeah, all right. I mean, I knew what it meant to be the largest affiliate of daily fantasy. So like, I'm going to meet with this guy. So we go, so go ahead, you take it from there. Yeah. No, yeah. So we meet up a nice little bar and the initial impression of like, we, it was like, I thought we would hold back and like both, both of us were very like open, transparent. It was kind of like, like, this is where I am. This is where you are. Like, you know, let's, and quickly it felt as if we, we, we had come to the decision very quickly. I think after one or two bourbons that like, Hey, th- this could work, but we're going to have to kind of test it. You know, and joke, we always joke around. We have the same, we have the same birthday. And when, you know, so sometimes if you're looking for like a, a karma or some type of signal of things in life, you'll, you'll grasp at things like that to go, Hey, let's this, let's, you know, what's the chances of that? Right. So let's, let's figure this thing out. So even with that, I think it's, I think the listeners would appreciate, you know, we, we decide like, Hey, I'll come into your office, you know, for the next couple of weeks and let's just see how this thing goes. And, you know, Kyle's, you know, you're running crossing broad, you're doing great. And, but we, we both are in a transition mode we, and we know it. And, and I think that was why it worked so, so readily and so easily because everyone, we were both looking at each other like, I know I have something to offer you. I know you have something to offer me. It was just a matter of trying to figure out like, can we trust each other? Is this okay? And you know, I think one of the conversations we had where you, you were extremely transparent, like, listen, like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I'm talking to some companies for acquisition you know, didn't you know? Didn't give me the details. You know, well, he's like, ah, I'm just telling you. I'm trying to decide how to process this and do this. And we had a conversation about potential valuation. And I, I think, I think, I don't know if I want to say the numbers, but like, maybe we should. I don't know. I think I had said I, I looked at the valuation of us working together as double what you did. And I remember to this day, your eyes lit up, and your eyes don't light up very often. Like, like if you can surprise you on a mathematical scale or evaluation or something like you know you've gotten through to you and and I could tell you're like oh shit like I may have miscalculated my opportunity and I think that and, and I wasn't trying to sell you on it I was just being honest like I think that's the valuation and I think from that point forward we then began to figure out how we're going to do this how we're going to bring this together and you know and and actually compete on a much larger scale with companies who at the time, you know, are massive, you know, $200 million revenue companies, you know, we're, we're two guys in a mold ridden basement in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, just going, well, we think we got this. We think we got a way to compete. You know, we, we like our skill sets. They're complementary. I always say we're one's weak, one's strong, the other one's stronger. But then our big joke is, you know, we walk around, pretend like we're pushing buttons. <laughs> and that, that button that button worked. That button worked. Let's again. go back to that button. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean I did I actually when I remember you said that and you threw out this crazy valuation. I think you said it was a fifty million dollar opportunity. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. That I was, you know, I thought it was ten, right? And you're like, it's fifty. And I was like, okay, well, is he full of shit? Because at the moment I was like, I know you're good at what you do. I know you figured out the SEO game 
and how to work with these companies and, and how to build, how to get people to click the button. Like those, from my view, I had this website. I had a lot of people. I knew it would make some amount of money in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, just given the audience. But I was like, your skill set of SEO and converting these people and the, the business model is what I needed. But then I'm like, is he just giving me a number? Because I have an audience, right? Like you're probably seeing dollar signs. I'm like, there's X number of readers on this website. I know what this can mean. And I was trying to calculate that. But I remember, you know, going home to my wife and she was like, well, listen, it's early. You like what you do. It seems like you got you and this guy could work well together. Just go do it. You know, so to your point earlier about having a wife who's supportive, like there was a big check staring at us. She's like, I think this is better for you. You're not going to lose money here, it sounds like. So go do it. There's always going to be an exit opportunity. So we start working together. We drew up an agreement, but never signed it. Just probably yeah. a good sign of trust, right? Where it was like yeah. we had this weird rev share because we're technically competing with each other. You yeah. have your websites, you had four of them. I have one, right? And they're competing in Google at least. So we had this like rev share, which like we didn't sign anything. We just knew like let's build towards something bigger. Let's figure out how to work together. And there is a way to put this all under one roof and, and grow this. So what comes next? So now sports betting is legalized. New Jersey's live. Pennsylvania's going to launch. You and I both see the opportunity. What are the next year or two like? Like talk about kind of growing the business from, from your view and I'll, I'll shut up. Yeah. Like I said, I'll go back to the thing learning from the, the missed app thing, right? So there was a really, it was really perfect timing for me because if I was younger, I, I don't think we do it because I would have thought, competitor, you know, wouldn't assume good intent. You know, I was just a, just different when I was younger. So being, I think I was right around 40 at the time, I just saw in you what I knew I was not very good at. And so you understood like business valuations. You understood some minute, you understood so much minutia of things that I did not, because as I've expressed, that's my, I was a top line guy, but when I saw something, I would dive in and go get it. Where you're top line, but you also will dive down and really get into the details of it. So that really intrigued me, especially knowing, as you were mentioning, where the states are now coming on board. This thing, we're trying to put it together to, for an exit. Seeing your skill set for me, I, I knew I could learn. And in turn, I knew I could help teach you, you know, what I knew about SEO and, you know, user behavior and things of that nature and really trying to, you know, squeeze everything you can out of a visit to a website. So I enjoyed coming into the office. I really did. You have to remember, for the better part of a decade, I'm working from home. You know, it's just me. So going in, my wife, she would laugh. I was coming home like, in a great mood because I'm having interaction with people. You know, this, this was, yeah, you know, yeah. We could probably, you know, after COVID, you know, people probably can understand this even better. But this is obviously pre-COVID. What I'm talking about. So I really enjoyed that process and that experience. And then it was really good. I would say too that we had that. I don't want to say like built bonding or relationship building time together before we really got into the acquisition part of things. But it was, it was true. But when you get into an acquisition thing with someone you don't know extremely well, 
there is a side of you where you're like, well, sh- oh my God, like I've only known him for like a year and a half. Like, am I really getting in bed with this guy over a multi-million dollar deal? Like, can I trust all this? You know, there are moments like that. And I know you had them too. We were like, because this is a big deal. This is life-changing money. So that time period that we had before that was really crucial. And as we built the biz, the CBWG you know, business together and understanding to, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but this part of it's really important. There, there's an aspect to when you work with somebody or whoever, you know, if you're married to somebody, whatever kind of relationship you have, that when someone tells you they disagree with you, if you actually just shut up and listen to them, like that was one of the best things that I found from us working together because you would handle it really well. You'd be like, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. I understand where you're thinking. Like you, you knew exactly how to, to treat me. I just think it's this. And I remember like in previous interactions with folks, I would get defensive. Like I mean, my arms would cross. Like, but instead it was like, oh, let me hear this, you know, because it all goes back to trust people who are working with you. 99% of the time they have good intent. Having someone in your industry potentially is, you don't always have to view them as this nasty competitor. You know, all these lessons were being learned when you and I started working together. So when it did come time for the big exit opportunity, if there was a question of something, like we were able to get over that hurdle easily. Yeah, so I, I, that was, you know, invaluable experience. That's a, that's a great point. And I think the reason that happened is because it wasn't instantly easy. So I agree with you. It was a lot of fun. Before we get to the acquisition thing, but I think you laid the groundwork nicely. It was a lot of fun going to the office. I was in the same boat had been only in that office for a few months, I think, before you came in. You know, I was working at home too, but it wasn't like a straight line. So we started working together. We weren't really technically like partners. We were like, hey, we're going to attack this opportunity together. You have your sights. I have mine. Let's figure it out. There's enough of the pie to go around. But at the time, only New Jersey is live. And we're making a little bit of money, like decent money. I had a couple of better months than I ever had, but it wasn't $300,000 checks. And we're both pretty much reinvesting all the, the bit of money that we're making because we know there's more upside in the state that we're in, in Pennsylvania, which is scheduled to launch like about six months after we started working together. And then there's obviously the rest of the country. And that's what a lot of our conversations were about planning for. We know what to do in these states. How do we scale this to be a national thing and not just locally? But it wasn't easy. It was a lot of fun. But I remember that summer of 2019 being extraordinarily stressful because I had reinvest every dollar that was made in New Jersey into planning for Pennsylvania. We brought on people, we had the office expenses, we bought, we were subscribing to service, SaaS companies and services and, and headcount and freelancers and just dumping it all back in. And I remember that being really stressful because neither of us made like any money that summer. We didn't account for the seasonality in the industry we were in. And the state we were all sort of banking on the really sort of supercharges thing, just delay, delay, delay before it got legalized. What was that like for you, right? Because I, I remember like I was stressed as fuck, right? And then beyond that, then talk about how we combined the businesses because eventually we did combine the business and figure out a way to scale it. So talk about that summer and then talk about how we came into that aha moment from your view of how we're gonna actually grow this thing over the next year or two and before the acquisition yep. even was thought about. Yep. Yeah, the summer reminded me of the previous summer where there was a bit of a panic mode. Like, 
there was a lot happening in that year. There was, I'm late, I got my approval, I'm working on a couple of sites, I'm now working with Kyle, we think we have a game plan, and then the summer hits to your point, and oh boy, there's no money. <laughs> like, so once again, you start to think, like, is, like, is, Kyle, is Kyle worried about this? Like, are people having second thoughts about how we should operate moving forward? Like, it, when the revenue dries up, the doubt enters, and you don't know where everything you know, is, is, is moving. Yeah, so I was with you. It was it was it was concerning. But I, I will say though, I felt like we both knew there was some doubt, but I want to say the overarching view was let's just hang in there to football season. We knew we were gonna get Pennsylvania launching, and it was kind of like then we'll we'll figure out the rest from there, you know. So it's amazing. I, you know, I don't know how many people out there would you know would do that. You know, it's it it's a trust factor and, and you keep doing it, but like I said, there was an overall really, really good trust your gut kind of moment for for continuing to do that. Now, to your point, you know we've been operating without an agreement. You know we're exchange, you know we're exchanging backlinks to help each other's websites. You know we're trying to, you know, hey, I've got this search and you got this search. Let's try and do this without, and we haven't officially combined. So, you know, I think once PA goes. And we realize we can both compete. I mean, see, you know, Crossing Broad does phenomenal, obviously. We then begin to see, to your point, more states are going to come on board. What are we going to do? Build a website for every state? That's going to be next to impossible to maintain as a two- to three-person group, right? We had a general idea that CB, being CrossingBroad.com, could compete in other states, but we weren't confident in that because it hadn't happened yet. We knew there was audiences in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So I don't know how much we want to get into, but I mean, there, there was a thought here of us, more than a thought. I mean, there was a lot of activity about having a major you know, raise of capital and rolling up with some other entities and you know, becoming like a major player. And we spent a lot of time on that and, and it didn't happen. Now, t- talk um, about that because from yeah. I'll let you sort of explain it, but from my view is like trying to you know what the audience might be able to take out of this is we had a business model that worked locally, and we were we knew it worked. The football season to you know not to bury the lead went well. It wasn't astronomical money. But we're like this works. We got a process. It's good money. Oh my God, what happens when the market? 10 X's in terms of states where we could do this. How do we work in those states? How do we get audience in those states? So there was, as your point, we could build a website and then eventually we kind of got the seed planted that we could buy websites. Let's raise some money and buy it because we have a process that works. We just need to apply it. So walk through that portion of it because I think that that's where the business really started to to get some scale. Oh, no, there's no doubt. Yeah, and once again, you know, you're, you're building the plane as it's, as it's in the air too, you know, you, you, we don't you we don't know which states are going to be next. We don't know what their application processes are going to be and the fees and because at the time we're still concerned. People kind of forget. I think Pennsylvania's application fee alone was five thousand dollars. So we don't know if that every state's going to you know, could Illinois' fee be a hundred thousand dollars for an, we don't know at that time. So we're trying to figure you know all of this out and get a game plan. We know what our competition is doing. We know what our skill set is and what our limitations are. So I really I would really bought into the fact 
What made our business good? Before you get, what made our business good? Talk about the funnel aspect, because I think we really nailed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We had a diverse way of attacking it. Well, uh, on on a content basis or as a so yeah, the reason it works, and I think the reason why we were we were eventually acquired, is there. It's a it's you're targeting fans. You're targeting readers of sports teams in a local area. That has so much more substance to it than it does a listing of promo codes or you know top sports books in your area if that's your only true content for your website. So recognizing what Crossing Broad did in Pennsylvania, the light bulb goes off where, oh my goodness, we're going to do this. This is going to happen in every state. So whoever has this type of audience is going to crush it. So that led to, you know, trying to build this big capital game, big capital More process capital. of raising capital and put something together that ultimately, you know, doesn't happen. But once again, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, thank God it didn't happen, by the way. But so to, once again, I think to our backgrounds and what we have done to get where we were at that point, I believe it was the, was it the last Friday before Christmas break, maybe? In yep. December? Yep. Thereabouts. Yep. We decide, well, shit, like if we can't do it, why don't we just go attack it on our own and see, like, if we're not going to buy the websites in these states that are coming, why don't we see if they'll partner with us? And it is a complete, like, once again, press some buttons. <laughs> here's an idea. And we write down, I want to say, like 11 or 12 websites, you know, Illinois, Indiana, New York couple other ones and we just start firing off emails and you know lo and behold people are interested and what it did was it gave us to a model for us to bring our businesses together under what ended up becoming CBWG Crossing Broad Warwick Gaming and then because we had to have an entity that could enter into partnerships with these sites so you know we could talk about this stuff because it's <clears throat> all pre-acquisition but like you know we went out to Colorado and uh, Mile High Sports and uh, Bleacher Nation was massive, massive Cubs following. The guys are just, it's probably the best privately owned, you know, city type based website for sports fans in the country. They, they just crush it and they eat, sleep, and breathe it. Like it, it, it was, it's crossing broad, you know, in Philly, but in Illinois with a larger audience. So you know, like we're five times we're larger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and we're, we're falling over ourselves. Like, my God, if we could, if we could strike a partnership with these guys. So we're doing the same process over again. I think in a way where we had convinced ourselves to work together and seeing the advantage. For now, we are doing it with partners in other states and cities. And that our sales pitch, our sales pitch to them is, hey, you guys create all this great sports content. We, you know, we do too. What we figured out how to do is to layer these partnerships with sports books through content on top of that. You know, we've spent the last three years figuring it out. You guys, I don't think, want to do this. You want to write about the Cubs and the Broncos. Let us come in, create some content, you know, and, and just really develop that process for you. You guys keep doing what you're good at. We'll do this part. And basically, we'll make you guys a lot of money. That was really the pitch. And, you know, to your point, those emails we sent off that afternoon, this was classic button pushing. At lunchtime, we didn't have that thought. By 5 p.m., we had like three ongoing conversations. Of those three or four, whatever it was, we're working with three of the four or two of the three, whatever it was, to this day. 
Like that's how quick in the, in the span of four hours, it went from idea to beginning to implement it. And I don't know, from my view, a lot of these people were like, yeah, I don't believe you. We're not going to, you know, make four times as much money as we were. And we're like, no, we think you could. It was almost like that moment you said to me, I think is a, a massive opportunity. I was like, yeah, is he full of shit? I think a lot of partners probably thought the same thing about us. Like the, that's too good to be true almost. There's a credibility factor there though that I think you can't, you can't look past. You know, you having done something very similar to what they were doing, you know, in their location, you know, what you had done in Philadelphia, I think brought a ton of credibility to the conversation. My success on the affiliate side with the operators, I, I would imagine they viewed it as, well, my God, you know, if there's going to be any two people that understand this process, it's going to be these two guys. I imagine we passed the red face test really quickly in some of those conversations. You know, and to your point, you know, all of a sudden, boom, when we do start working together with these guys, yeah, you know, the money starts coming in in a, in a pretty big way. So begin to wrap up, but there's a few more points we need to hit on. So the business starts going well. Now we have a process. Your websites are making money. My website is making money. We've combined that into a joint company that works with other websites and we're helping them make money. So now we have a business and COVID hits, right? And you know, it, it might be worth going into, but sports shut down, but it was, we knew it was temporary. Like that was the, the difference for me, at least. Did you feel differently? Because you knew like eventually sports were going to come back and we had a model that worked and nothing was really should change that. But was there anything about COVID that you're like, oh crap, <laughs> this was working. Now we're screwed. Yeah. I mean, I think I had the same concerns as, you know, probably most people like, but there was, I knew it was going to come back in, in some way. You know, I, I was more concerned, like, could it impact valuation? You know, things of that nature for us, you know, down the line. I don't remember feeling panicky because, like I said to you, like, when I panicky, that's when I get, like, that's just not a good feeling for me. I don't remember feeling panic. I remember just feeling like we're going to have to wait this out, you know, and I don't know, in my life, and I'm, you know, it's probably it's such a stupid comment that everybody says, but like, nothing ever came easy. So, it, like, when COVID hit, it was just like, ah, all right, here we go. Like, it's not going to come easy. I'm going to have to wait a little longer than I want to. But, you know, it, it sucked. It absolutely sucked. But, but honestly, if you think back on it, and I think we did say this. It was a blessing for us. It slowed all of our competition down. They couldn't do shit. And here we were just getting our act together. And it allowed us to really lay some groundwork in those other states. It, it was ended, For us, it ended up being, you know, definitely silver lining on, on, a, on a horrible, you know, pandemic. So yeah, so sports stops. We're able to keep up the momentum. It's just the two of us. We get into some of these partnerships. Sports come back, to your point, you know, for people listening, online gaming in the states that it was legal at the time, everyone was at home. Even that summer, most, you know, most people were opting, defaulting to home. Sports come back. You got the sports bubble for hockey, for, for basketball. NFL season happens. Most stadiums are empty. So people are, are sitting at home watching sports and they're gambling on them. And we got this model and the business really starts, you know, growing exponentially at that point. And some of those big checks begin to roll in. So now we've built a business, right? We have a business. We have websites that make money. We have some that are search-based, some that are audience-based. And we have these partnerships, which is, a, you know, a good model. It's a good balance across, you know, each of the revenue streams and sports and all of that. So we begin to get acquisition offers. You know, we're with the company that bought us. Eventually, XL Media buys us. $25 million. We've talked about this before. We can't get into the details of, the, of that conversation or what we're doing since, 
But I do want to talk to you about just the mental, the personal process of acquisition. Because for us, it's a months long, almost half a year endeavor that we're having these conversations. And we're trying to value a business in the middle of a pandemic that's rapidly growing. So each month our multiple, it feels like it's just going up and up and up. And you're trying to settle on a valuation and, and, you know, looking at money that is astronomical. And to your talk more deeply now about what you said earlier, we kind of developed this working relationship. And I know we had to talk each other off the ledge, like almost every night, because selling your business in any capacity, let alone when it's combined with somebody else's business and then has partners attached to it, there's just multiple layers of complication. Yeah. No, I mean, we should definitely do a show in the future just alone on being acquired and, and the hurdles and processes of that. But you've built something that you are so personally attached to, right? I've built something that has made, at times, millions of dollars and then gone quiet, right? And, but there's this feeling of like, you know, it's, it's still your, it's like your stuff and you're not sure if you want to let go of it or not. And to your point, we're in this acquisition mode and we're having a lot of difficult conversations, a lot of difficult conversations. And I'm sitting there at times when things got difficult, knowing that, and this would have been a big mistake, by the way, knowing, well, if this doesn't happen, you know, I'll just fall back on promo code kings and, you know, I'll be able to make a decent living and, you know, it'll be okay. Because to your point, there are times during this acquisition process where, you know, there are conversations that you have to have with your, with your wife and your family and each other that are like really difficult. And, and there's a time where you keep like, you know, I just don't want to do this. You know, like, I don't want to give up all this control. I don't know what happens after we get paid. And, you know, we know nothing about anything post-acquisition. And there is a lot of scary opportunities that for someone who has control issues, like I think a lot of us do, like, man, I don't know what that is. And then, yeah, the money is good, but we also can know that can be fleeting. You know, if you, if you don't, and you know, within a couple of years, you can find yourself in a situation where it's like, oh no, what did I do? So there's a lot of like, you know, gaming things out and, and, and trying to do the strategy of, you know, and not only are you dealing with your business partner, you're then trying to figure out, can I trust these people who are acquiring us, you know, and, and trying to understand their angles on everything. And it is so fucking exhausting. It's so exhausting. Like it, it was, it's, we, we had vacations ruined because of this stuff, because here comes a call that we have to take, you know, cause you're in a, you're in an acquisition for millions of dollars and you know, you're down the Jersey shore and you're spending three hours up in a bedroom while your family's out enjoying, and you know, and people have to understand that. And it was tough. It was, it was, and, you know, I know I don't want to be feeling bad for us, but there's a part of that process that I think there's ways and there's something out there. I wish somebody could have helped us, you know, and I, and I hope, I think maybe we can probably play that role for some other people down the line here with, you know, with, with our vehicle of, of communication here. But it was difficult. It was really difficult. A lot of doubt. A lot of times walking my dog at nighttime where it was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> it's, it's tough because, you know, some sales are straightforward. You have a product, you have a mature business it's pretty easy to value. You sell it, you leave. Yep. We're, you know, we're in this high growth 
market, everyone knows it's going to grow. It's not just because we're so good at it. We're, we were good at it. I think we are good at it, but we were in a market that was just, it was the growth was built in new States were going to legalize. And if not, if you did nothing more, you're just going to have a larger audience. So a big part of ours was just deciding, you know, there, there's some future money because you have to keep growing it. And, you know, you have a view on how much it's going to grow. Obviously, the person buying you has a different view on how much it's going to grow. So we had to contemplate the next few years, not just the sale price. And part of that, for from my standpoint, is the scenarios. You know, you had to think through every possible scenario that could go right, right? What was the upside? We also had to consider every scenario that could go wrong. And what was the downside? And that's where I think both you and I are, are people who are, you know, like the control ran our own business for a decade. And you're thinking about, well, what if X happens 18 months from now? And you're working through all these different stakeholders, people buying you, you, me, spouses, you know, things like that. Yep. No, totally. so, no it, was, it was, you said it, you said it well, because it's, we didn't know. We didn't know when states were coming on online. To try and project those things out was extremely difficult. And then to your point, you know, you're questioning, well, are we selling too early? Are we doing, you know, there was so many things going into that that were exhausting in that process. So to put a bow on it, you know, you start in 2010, you know, it's basically 12 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever it was, um, or no, eight, 2008, you quit your jobs, 14 years yeah. from today. Yeah. So you go from starting the, not sure what it's going to be, doing some digital marketing, you have a laptop, you create these SEO sites, they're making millions of dollars, the money stops, get into a new market, we come together, build a scalable business, it sells off. That's a lot. If someone asks you, what do you do for a living? Maybe not today, because we have titles, um, but prior to selling, what was your answer? In, did it change between 2011 and 2019? You know, what would you tell people you did? Uh, when I first left pharma, I told people that I was kind of like in like the SEO world and hoped that was enough. Like, oh, I do SEO for some websites. And then some people would ask a follow-up question. And then I was like, uh, I'm like, oh, you know, when you search this, like I help people with that. You know, <laughs> it was it was an awful thing. So when I started being becoming an affiliate, they would say, What do you do? And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm in marketing. And uh, who do you work for? And I'm like, oh, well, FanDuel and DraftKings. Like, well, how can you work for both? I'm like, oh, well, I'm in affiliate marketing. What's that? I was like, oh, this answer sucks too. Like, there is no good answer. Like, so eventually I settled on, oh, I do digital marketing. So the follow-up to that is, oh, with who? And I'm like, oh, for sport for the legal sports books. So that that kind of became, you know, now the the, the acceptable answer. And I think I told you, like in my neighborhood, I think I'm known as like the DraftKings guy. Because that was whoever, you know, he works for Draft. You know, so I was like, all right, I'll accept that. If you want to say I work for Draft, please go ahead. But that was, you know, where, where I settled on digital marketing for sports books. So we typically ask most, most guests here, the moment they thought they were going to fail, what you would do differently. I, th- I think you hit both of those. I would imagine, I mean, it sounds like there, were, there was multiple moments you thought you were going to fail. Absolutely. Of those, you know, be it early on with the unemployment, daily fantasy drying up, COVID, the summer of 2019, which of those was the, the most stressful for you? The one where you were like, not happening? That's, that's, that's a good question. It was very difficult being in the hospital when my son was born. By the way, my wife almost died too during birth. It was like, it was pretty bad. And I'm in there like, you know, checking the box for unemployment online and stuff. Like that was, that was pretty, 
I would say that's bottom of the barrel right there. You know, like, oh my God, like, I have to, you know, I, I can't be sitting. Like, I felt like my in-laws were looking at me like, like, we like you and all, but like, you're kind of a loser right now. You know, like you're, <laughs> like you're on unemployment. You know what I mean? Like, I say that was kind of, you know, the bottom for sure. Like, oh shit. Like, I really, once we get out of this thing and got meeting out of the hospital, like, and get, I need to really kick this up a notch. I would say that was, uh, that was the bottom of it for sure. That moment, I think everyone's had that moment, you know, I, where you feel like you're almost embarrassed, right? That's the moment you're like, I never want to feel like that again. Oh, yeah, so that's a good motivator. Yeah. The, uh, what you would do differently, I think we talked a lot about that with the app. What's the one tool? So here's one we didn't talk about. I know you, you besides, uh, besides the fax machine at a hotel in Maine, what's, <laughs> what's one tool or service or, or whatever you use besides the, the fax machine in your Chromebook? that like somebody yeah. else could use you would recommend you can't do your job without that's a good uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because our daily jobs have changed so much over the years you know like it's years ago i would have said oh you know i can't do anything without you know a site built on a wordpress platform and being able to kind of utilize those audience tools that are built in to kind of go after something you know now and now today I wouldn't say that. Like today, I, I almost view like I almost view Twitter as a tool that I could never be without because I use it to educate myself on so many things. You know, so you know we're doing a podcast now. So in my free time, I'm looking at what works in podcasts and you know things of that nature and things that we might get into you know down the line for for whatever and investigating that. And ultimately, it's and it's, it's a shit answer. I get that, but there is no better library today for information than Twitter. You know, it, there isn't. And if, I'm, if you're looking for something to grow something in your business, to find someone who's doing it, who has done, who is willing to share or as a course or whatever, it's Twitter. And that's where I just find myself there because I'm craving information. I think it's probably the best answer for me just in, in how I operate and, and, and educate myself to, you know, to, to find success or to at least make myself better with whatever I'm operating within. I think it's a good answer too, because anyone doing this, you, you said earlier, you're building the plane. We were building the plane as you go. I think every creator, somebody with an audience is doing that. There's no one business. It's not a pizza shop. You know, yeah. there's not like, here's your price, of your pizza and your goods and you advertise it. It's everybody's building the plane as they go. And if you can keep learning along the way and Twitter's the tool to do that, I think it's a good answer. So tell our listeners where they can find you, uh, and then we'll then we can plug plug the show. Yeah. So yeah, on, on Twitter it's uh it's J Zernick, so J Z I E R N I C K. That's pretty. I mean, I'm I'm on, I think I'm on Instagram under I think Jason Zernicki too. So it's just, but Twitter's certainly the uh, my most active uh, social, and obviously here on uh, Monetize.media. So yeah, if you're on social, follow Jason. Be sure to follow Monetize Media HQ, all one word. Tell two friends. You tell two friends that would find this interview helpful, that would find this show helpful. Tell us the friends you told. Tell me, Kyle Scott L. Tell Jason. Tell Monetize Media. We'll respond to you. We'll vet your idea. And coming up, we're going to soon launch 
a Friday newsletter to go along with the show. It's going to be three bullet points. We're going to call it the money take. It's going to have three takes from us on developments in the creator, media, audience building, monetization space. We're going to distill the story and then give you our take on it. And then we're going to have a referral program for that too. So you tell two friends, you get some perks uh, all the way up to a call you know, with us or, or even being a guest on this podcast. You refer a lot of people. So keep an eye out for that. Go to monetize.media. And Jason, what should they do with the podcast? They should go give it five stars on wherever they listen to their favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. 